If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me for a few moments, or just mark it down. We're going to the Old Testament, and then we're going to the New Testament, and we're going a little bit of back and forth here today on the subject of devotion, true devotion, true devotion. Don't confuse just mechanically and methodically going through the motions as devotion. It's not the same. It's not the same. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to start with devotion. Deny yourself. You've got to be devoted to something greater than self in order to follow Jesus Christ. Amen. You'll never take up your cross, which is imperative to following Him, unless you are totally voted, devoted to Him. There's no possibility of becoming a disciple just by going to Bible studies and highlighting portions of Scripture. Amen. And reading it and going through singing in a choir, teaching in a class. That's not what devotion's all about. You can do all of those good, commendable things and not be devoted because devotion doesn't originate in what you do. It, it originates in an attitude of your heart. And it should drive, then, everything that you do. Whatever you do from that point, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what's happening. Now, let me give you some last day stuff, along with Brother Taylor's teaching, to complement it today. Praise God. In the last days, perilous times will come because men will be. This is the trunk of the tree. Everybody say the trunk of the tree. For men will be lovers of their own self. The whole list of sinful practices that would mark the last days would be because of an inordinate self-love. So picture a tree. He drew it one time. And if one thing, if we make a move, one thing I want, I want a projector and a screen and, and your expertise to put pictures to scriptures and scriptures to pictures and, and to illustrate this but this this the, all of these things heady high-minded proud boasters disobedient to parents disloyal uh, uh, all of this begins with self-love and the first step therefore in following Jesus who came to offer himself as a sacrifice lamb and become selfless is to deny herself to deny ourselves. if any one of you want to be my disciple a true follower of Jesus Christ, let him deny himself. It doesn't start with self-indulgence, self-fulfillment. It starts with self-denial. Self-denial doesn't mean that you're going to be empty, except of self. But the more empty we are of self, the more room there is for God to fill that vacancy within us. And that's why Paul, who emptied himself of self, said, It's no longer I that live. I'm empty of self. <laughs> but I'm not empty. <laughs> Can you say amen? I'm empty, but I'm not empty. Amen. It's no more I that live. I'm empty of self, but it's Christ now that liveth in me. Hallelujah. 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 I went to preach this message, a similar message on dedication and following Jesus, taking up our cross and following uh, to Campus Crusade for Christ young people that were literally invading the University of South Florida with the witness and testimony of Jesus. I used to go to a gym. I was a gym rat. I went four days a week to the gym, and, and I, I was coming home from the gym. I had on sweatpants and a sweatshirt, 
Amen. Didn't wear my muscle shirt because I still hadn't got any muscles. But anyway, I was I was on my way home from the gym and I looked over and I saw young men and women in their early 20s, looked like or mid 20s. And they were raking this area. They had a building, obviously, that they were holding some kind of meeting in. And and uh, I saw a sign up over the said, Jesus is Lord. And I thought, I just got to stop and commend these young people to see young people you know just doing something like that for god and i pulled over to the side sweatshirt sweatpants tennis shoes amen i'd been sweating <laughs> some people perspire but where i worked out it was hot you sweat and so anyway uh they came up to the car and i said i just wanted to commend you i said to see young men and women uh, doing something for Jesus. I said, it just thrills my soul, and I want to tell you how much I appreciate you. And they said, your voice. They said, are you a preacher? And I said, yes, I am a preacher. And said, well, where do you preach? I said, I'm pastor of the Holy Church of God in Tampa. They said, what is your name? I said, my name is Pastor Robert Venable. They said, we got your tapes. They recognized my voice from the tapes. I said, you have. said, we got one that we, every time we get down and every time we feel like quitting because we get discouraged, somebody says, go get that tape from that preacher. And we put that tape in, we listen to it, and we, we recover and we rejuvenate and we revive and we get back on the firing line for Jesus and said, would you come and speak to our congregation of young men and women, Campus Crusade for Christ? Would you come and speak for us? I said, oh, yeah. Amen. When you find somebody hungry for God like that, you know the Holy Spirit is going to flow in that meeting. And I, I was preaching the message. Deny, I said, when Jesus said, deny yourself. If you'll be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say it with a long face. He didn't say it with some kind of fatalistic, oh, you're going to live a monk-like cloistered on some mountain away from everything and everyone fasting all the time. And No, no, he meant that you're going to make a full-blown commitment to Jesus Christ and you're going to find joy in serving him in that kind of commitment. You know who's the most miserable Christians? There was a song, Burl Ives, I don't know if he wrote it, but he sang it, Mr. In between makes a feller mean. And the worst place to be as a Christian, particularly in the last days, is be trying to straddle that fence between the world and the kingdom of God. You need to make an all-out, wholly devoted commitment to Jesus Christ. Because in the last days, perilous times will come because there's kingdoms in conflict. There are kingdoms in conflict. Amen. You can't serve two masters. You have to set your heart. Amen. If you be risen with Christ, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 4. Listen to it carefully. If you be risen with Christ, if you've been born from above, if you've been born again, then you have been buried with Him, but you have also been raised up with Him. And if you are risen with Christ... Seek those things above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. You see, your heart is going to follow what you prioritize. What did Jesus teach about that? Lay up your treasure in heaven. 
where the thief can't break through and steal, where the rust can't corrupt. For where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart's going to be. Can you say amen? If, you, if it's the world, that's where your heart's going to be. Make no mistake about it. We had a guy come to our church. He didn't want to come to our church. He got hungry for God. It's the reason he came. He had it all together. He, he said he... he, he, said he uh, he said, I had a goal, Brother Venable, and this was it. Because he heard a tape, actually. He heard a tape of the ministry. And he said, i got to find that church. i got to find that minister. He was well uh, seated in a denominational, Pentecostal denominational church. He, he said, I had three goals. My first goal was I wanted to live in a particular community where, you know, it would be considered middle class, not rich. But, you know, I want to live in that community. I want to drive a particular car, a brand new car of a particular make, and I want to go to that church because if you go live in that community, drive a new, nice, luxury-type automobile, and you go to that particular prestigious church, it says that you have arrived somewhere. It's amazing how people will put image over substance. But his soul got hungry and when he got hungry and heard something that he could feast on and i'm not taking credit i'm telling you what we preach is the word of god it's laced with it it's full of the word of god amen someone said don't ask a preacher a question you'll get a sermon said it before like a little boy little girl that come home from sunday school and she's 10 years old and she says mama can you tell me something about redemption we're supposed to study about redemption for for sunday morning and she said well your dad's the pastor she said go ask him and she said i don't want to know that much can you say man so you'll get a sermon from a minister of the gospel Come on, it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Y'all see you not hung out with me after the service. Amen. Very long. My wife tells me on the way home, said, honey, it's over for now. It's over for now. Just calm down. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, uh, well, anyway, I was going to tell you something else, but it's off subject. So let's stay on subject a little while. In the last days, perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own self, proud boasters, truce breakers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It just goes down the list, but it all starts with that root of lovers of self. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Amen. It's a hindrance to answered prayer regardless of how much you build your faith or how many seminars you hear on the authority of a believer. You have not because you ask not. That is the faith issue right there. Amen. You don't make God your source. Some people only go to God when the doctor can't do anymore. I, I, I would not set foot in a doctor's office without praying. Because I don't want the devil to have me shifting. It's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. But if you're a Christian, you ought to talk to God. Not ask Him if you can go. But let Him know that your eggs aren't... We're getting near... We're getting near... We're getting near Easter because a Cadbury, Cadbury bunny is back. Laying those chocolate eggs. 
Amen. Full of so many sweet things. So you don't put all your eggs in one. But God is not the last resort. He is the first and primary that we should look to. Praise God. So many Christians don't even really get serious about their faith in God until the doctor throws up his hands. That's a bad time and a sad time to start building your faith. Amen? You know why David could bring down a giant? Do you know why he had that kind of confidence when they tried to undermine his confidence at every turn? He said, because a lion came out. After he was anointed, nobody saw this. It was between him and God. A lion came and threatened the sheep, and David, under the anointed, killed the lion. And a bear came. And see, both of these animals didn't see some big Samson-like, and by the way, I don't believe Samson-like is like you think Samson was. It was only when the Spirit came on him that he could do any of these feats. I believe he's a little Jew. I believe he probably looked like Woody, Woody Allen. No, he wasn't my size. I can handle a lion. What's wrong with you, Brother Hobbs? Or I call him Hobbs when I'm really getting at him. What's wrong with you, Hobbs? I used to work out. Used to work out. I'm a used to was. <laughs> That's one step down from a has-been. I really believe, I honestly believe that Samson was because God chooses the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. His, one, one translation says, of when I was weak, then am I made strong, that his strength shows up best in weak people. Amen. If you get very close to someone God is using mightily, you will see a clay vessel and a cracked pot. Not a cracked pot, but a cracked pot. And it will probably take you back to see that they have feet of clay. Because they seem like under that mighty holy anointing. But I've been around preachers and some pretty big ones down through the years. Amen. That I be at a meeting with or come in contact with. And they have their flaws. The, The premier preacher. The premier preacher for the assemblies of God. Forget his name. C.M. Ward. He was the radio ministry for them. He was a, you had to schedule him in the assembly of God one year ahead of time to get him to have a date to come because he was so booked up and backed up. He was flying all over the world, all over the United States, ministering every opportunity that he could. And he went into an airport in, I think it was either Dallas or Houston, He went into the airport. He said, I was wore out. I had jet lag. I hadn't had prayer time or personal devotional time. And they lost my luggage. And all I want to do is get my luggage, go to a hotel and lay down because I was supposed to preach that night. And he said, I got a hold. They called him a red cap back then. These were the stewards that helped you with stuff around the airport. And he said, boy, I grabbed a hold of me a red cap, and I let him, I didn't use any bad language, but I I let him have it. This is the premier 
evangelist and spokesman for the assemblies of God, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost anointed. And he said, I told him off. He said, I got to my hotel room, pulled out my Bible, was going to mark a few scriptures and lay down for a little while. And he said, I started to pray for the evening service. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, see him. See him. <laughs> Amen. He said, Lord, I know exactly you don't have to say another word to me. He said, I cannot get back to that airport tonight to apologize to that man. But he said, if you will let me, and this is exact words, if you will let me preach on credit. And your anointing will come and your Holy Spirit will not be grieved. First thing in the morning after this service, I will go and find him and apologize to him. And he said, God let him, gave him the grace, gave him the forgiveness. But he said early the next morning, said, I didn't even eat breakfast. I headed for the airport first. He said, I looked all over that airport, about to give up. And I finally saw that guy and I went up to him and I said, do you remember me? And he said, sir, I'm sorry. There's so many people in this airport. I, I'm sorry. I don't recollect. He said, I'm the guy that was, got so angry and fussed at you so bad yesterday because my luggage was lost. And I knew it wasn't your fault. And he said, sir, people get angry and fuss at me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so he was basically off the hook. He said, yes, but I'm a Christian. He didn't say I'm a world-renowned preacher. I'm a, the evangelist or radio minister for the Assemblies of God. He said, I'm a Christian. And he said, listen, he said, I want you to forgive me. And he said, sir, I'd be happy to. He said, nobody's ever asked me to forgive them before. Because you kind of look down on people that whose job it is to serve you. But God don't look down on nobody. God loves everybody. And everybody deserves respect because of His love for them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, in the last days, perilous times will come because men will be lovers of their own self. And all the myriad of sins based on inordinate self-love. We have them today. The Bible said that day shall not come when the Antichrist, the son of perdition, is manifest. That day won't come until something occurs in the church. Not just in the world. We have, we have many world events prophetically that, that say the world is primed and ready for a man to step on the scene. And resolve problems that are, are marking a time when the Bible said there would be distress of nations with perplexity that word is puzzlement it means that all of the great thinkers and all of the great educators and all the great scientists and all the great negotiators and all the king's horses and all the king's men all put together cannot resolve the crisis that is continual all over the world and they're looking for somebody that can bring peace it's amazing the first three and a half years of the tribulation is not all of those hellacious things that's going to occur on the earth. The first three and a half years looks like a utopia. It is a time of a false peace. And through peace, isn't it amazing that this Antichrist 
through peace he's going to deceive many. All I'm saying, they sing, give peace a chance. And they're looking for a man to this day. And I hate to break your bubble, but it isn't Trump. Pray for him. But he is not the person. If he, was, if he brought peace, he'd be the Antichrist. So, lighten up. <laughs> yeah. Wars and rumors of wars. Fulfilling, fulfilling prophecy. Politicians can't do it. But a man is being primed who will do it. He will deceive and sway the nations of the world. He will get a peace treaty between the Palestinians and Israel. He will get peace between North Korea and South Korea. He will achieve peace among nations that are warlike and and setting themselves to war. He will bring a utopia for three and a half years. He will bring in a monetary system. That will be embraced by everyone. Uh, He will be a man with... You see, what's going to happen is because Satan, he's Satan's pawn. He's Satan's man for that time. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, the Scripture said in Revelation. For Satan hath come down. Right now he's restricted his influence. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And the thing is, you are stronger than the enemy. Yes, Father. For greater is he that's in you yes, than Father. he that is in the world. Yes, Father. You are victorious because of me, saith the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I am your trust. Hallelujah. I am your protection. Yes, he I is. am the mighty I am. Hallelujah. And yet I watch over you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And yea, Thank you, Father. Shall take you down because I have you in the very palms of my hands. Hallelujah. And yea, I have your life under control. Thank you, Thank Heavenly you, Father. Hallelujah. You can't preach these things without consolation from the Holy Spirit. This is a fearful time without the promise of God to never leave us and never forsake us. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, for Satan hath come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows he has but a short time. He's got a... He's timed... Amen. So what he does, he's going to have to do it very viciously and quickly. So he's going to actually, I believe, possess Satan himself. Not another demon, not some chief demon of his. I believe the Antichrist will be possessed by the devil himself. And he will, and all of those demons, you see the division is in churches all over the place. I've been dealing with pastors for, for going on 10 years now and going to pastors' meetings. I was at a pastors' meeting with uh, about 30 pastors this week. And I'm going to tell you something. Church of Jesus Christ is divided. Christians are divided. 
It's one of Satan's tools. It's a device that he uses. Grieves the Holy Spirit. It holds back revival. But Satan's kingdom is united. And when they accused him of casting out devils with the power of the devil, he said, couldn't happen. It's a spiritual impossibility. Because a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. America is more polarized and divided now than she's ever been. I thought the division between white and black would have been resolved by now because there was a great move to unify this nation culturally. Amen. But we're still divided many in many circles. You know that. You look at the news. You see it. There's all, there's all kinds of division. But this, when this man comes, all of the demons that bring division will cease to operate to bring division. That's why peace will come. A false peace will come. And the Bible said when they say peace, in other words, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all of these things, said the end is not yet. These are precursors that the end is near, but it is not yet. When you see these things begin to come to pass, lift up your head, your redemption draweth nigh. But the wars, the rumors of wars, all of these things, earthquakes in diverse places, seeing waves roaring, the end is not yet. It's near, but not yet. These are the precursors to the end. But this marks the end when the tribulation will, will come upon people. They won't even know they're in the tribulation at the beginning because the first three and a half years, a man of peace is coming. And all the demons that divide to where people cannot come together and agree, those demons are going to be pulled back and they're going to lay low and a false peace is going to come. And it's because of a spiritual thing that's occurring. Not because a man is such a great diplomat. Such a great politician, great leader. It's because all of the demons that bring the division, they're going to lay back and a false peace is going to come to the world. First three and a half years. And when the world without Christ, the Prince of Peace, coming, when they begin to say, peace and safety. For the first time in human history that the whole world is going to say peace and safety under the initial rule and reign of the Antichrist. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child. As sure as those birth pangs indicate that a child is going to be delivered. Amen. When this begins, these are the birth pangs. This is going to bring the whole thing to a close. It's the beginning of the end. And it starts with a time of peace like the world has never, ever known. Amen. If the devil can divide you and your family, he will divide you. Your enemies 
will not just be the atheist and the, and the Marxist and the communist and all those people who hate God, the Islamist extremists, but your enemies will be much closer than that. Your enemies will be they. Jesus said it. It'll be they. It'll be they. And if you hadn't had trouble in your home, you better gird yourself. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I've never seen a day that is coming as sharp and hard as it is in this day. Because the devil knows that we are in the kingdom for a time such as this. He wants to distract us. He wants to divert us. He doesn't want us to be occupied uh, with the work of the kingdom. He wants us to be preoccupied with the demands of all the distractions and frustrations and responsibilities and things that tick us off and make us angry and upset us. He wants to keep us upset because He don't want us to raise our eyes and look upon the fields that are white unto harvest. Can you say, man, if I'm busy dealing with the things that upset me, I'm going to miss every opportunity God gives me to witness for Him. Can you say, I won't see it. I will be preoccupied with all of the junk and all of the stuff. And believe me, He never, ever lets up. If He can divide a, a, a man and woman, He will divide you if He can. So we have to be alert and we have to be devoted and we have to be committed to Christ. We can't allow it. We can't accept it. We're not ignorant of His devices. We understand what He's going to do and who He's going to use. Amen. We have a 43-year and counting marriage. Getting ready to... No, we have a 43-year ministry. We have a 54-year marriage. Oh, Brother Venable... It must have been bliss all of those years. It must have been Prince Charming and Sleeping Beauty. Amen. Let me tell you something about the prince. He's not always charming in the real world. Let me tell you something about Sleeping Beauty. The woman woke up. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Be careful, Hobbs. Willie said, I ain't going to give you no fist bump. <laughs> Mrs. Willie's here today. The woman had to wake up. Thank God we never let the sun go down on our wrath. Thank God we never went to bed mad at one another. Because God told us not to. There's a movie some years ago that said love means never having to say you're sorry. In other words, if you love somebody, you're so perfect toward them that you couldn't possibly need to apologize because you'll never do anything to disappoint them or let them down or hurt them or cause them any, any kind of frustration or anger. Love means, no, love means saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. I really mean it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I'm sorry. I was upset. If my wife says something to me when she's upset and anger, 
And if she turns right around and said, please, she told me one time when she was going through a nerve problem, a real bad, she had a hormonal thing when she went through the change, and it just, some people go through it easier, some people just have hot flashes, some people have flashes that are hot, but it's not in the body. <laughs> Amen. You, you come, home, come home from work, you don't know who you're going to meet at the door. You know, which, which one? <laughs> Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. I don't Mrs. Hyde. But she, it's a hormonal thing. Now, men have it. I've got, I've got uh, uh, I used to break out like acne, and uh, Josh pointed it out. He saw it look like acne on my forehead, and it's called rosacea. It's a, it's a hormonal thing that happens to men, but it hasn't affected my demeanor. But ladies go through things that affect you. Just, I mean, you, you just get up in the morning and you start crying for no reason, let alone when somebody gives you a reason. Amen? And she, she went through that. But I remember when she told me, she said, Honey, she said, You know what I need when I, I'm so standoffish or when I try to push you away? He, she said, Don't let me push you away. She said, Just hold me. Just hold me. Just come and grab a hold. Just hold me what I need. And how many husbands could take a cue from that? Sometimes your wife just needs you to unconditionally love her and just grab a hold of her and say, I love you. I mean, don't squeeze her too tight. She'll think, you know. But, but let her know that you love her. And we went through some tough times just holding on to one another. My wife said we were kind of like, you ever seen those monkeys in the store around Valentine's Day? Two monkeys. They got their arms sewn around each other so, so you can't pull them apart. You've got to make a deep commitment. You've got to understand one another. You've got to understand yourself. Hallelujah. And God says you've got to devote your life to me to overcome in this day when a perilous time is going to come because self-love will be the order of the day. The culture will cultivate it. Amen. Right now in the church, what's in it for me is the biggest reason for a lot of people in the Pentecostal charismatic movement today being in church. I want a house like that man's got. I want a car like that man's got. I want a bankroll like that. I want a watch like that. I want clothes like that. I want to be like him. And we're modeling ourselves after a successful ministry in terms of stuff rather than modeling ourselves after Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He said, if you want to follow Him, then you'll have to go after what He has put the priority on or she. But if you're going to follow me, amen, you have to start with self-denial, not self-indulgence. Then you take up a cross. You make a deep commitment no matter what it takes. You don't look back any longer. And then you follow me. The Bible said before that Antichrist is manifest, before that son of perdition comes into manifestation, before that there's a precursor in the church world. And we're in that day when I believe the Antichrist is alive. I can't designate him. I would be foolish too. It's not time for him to be manifest. Amen. There are a lot of speculation and a lot of good prophetic uh, understandings. But we do not know the man. We know the region he will come from. We know that Satan will come and have direct influence through him. But we don't know him yet. 
But just before he's manifest, something will occur in the church, not just the world. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And then the son of perdition is going to be revealed. And we're in the midst of the falling away. That's when I pre- why when I preach the message, upstream Christians in a downstream world. It's not just the culture, it's not just the world pulling you, but parts, many parts of the church world. John Wesley, Charles Wesley, they would turn over in their graves if they could see what has happened in the Methodist church today. John G. Lake, all of those great leaders... George Whitfield, D.L. Moody, you can go down the list that preached total commitment to Christ. If they could see the church world today, what draws people into the churches today? What's in it for me? I believe that God heals today. So I believe in health. I believe God will bless you materially as you need that. But health, wealth has taken the place of taking up our cross and following Christ. And people that get in the kingdom for the fish and loaves. Jesus talked about the water turning to wine and and He went to the next city and you know what they wanted? They didn't want His teaching. They wanted more wine. They wanted more bread. And you know what Jesus told them? He said, if you don't see miracles, you won't believe. In other words, what's drawing you is the miracles. You're not drawn because of the message of the gospel that can save your undying soul. Something has changed. You're you're looking only for the fish and loaves and the water turned to wine. Who wouldn't come to get... By the way, it was good wine. My mother used to drink Mogan David to go to sleep. After she was asleep, I drank Mogan David. Poured a little bit of water in there so she couldn't tell I got it. Yeah, I was a sly fox. I wasn't saved then. You understand? I thought, give me some of that. I didn't want it to sleep. I wanted to see what it was all about. Amen. (laughs) Tastes like grape juice with vinegar in it. And I thought, Lord have mercy, if i got a choice between this and grape juice, I'm going to just drink me some grape juice. It's sweet. What kind of wine did he save for the last? They said, not only has he got more wine at this wedding, but it, and is it alcoholic? I don't believe it was. I really don't. With all the scriptures we can find against uh, the giving people to drink and people getting too much drink and people just want to drink so they try to find some justification for it my son was an alcoholic for so many years and he lost his talent he lost his health he lost his family once he got them back he lost the children that he sired while he was out there inebriated a man has no relationship with them he lost his ability to play the guitar which was his hallmark god gave him a supernatural blessing to play amen so people asked me when i was bivocational i talked with them in the parking lot and said, is it all right for a Christian to drink? And I said, listen, if you might be able to have wine with your spaghetti and you might be able to just not get 
inebriated and go home, but somebody over there is going to take one drink and they're going to get hooked. You've seen what alcohol can do. You've seen people who are bound by it. It's, it's a, it opens a door, honestly, to spiritual stuff. It's not just alcohol. It's getting your will uh, uh, kind of blurred to where you're not in control of your will. And it opens a door for someone to come in, something to come in. The word in the book of Revelation, and I'm getting off, off task just a little bit, but we're getting ready to close. The word is about Babylon, this spiritual Babylon which became a physical place and it became typical of a spiritual uh, entity. Uh, It's Babylon, 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 Babylon. Neither repented she of her sorceries. The moment I see sorcery, Brother Hobbs, I think immediately of witchcraft and the occult. Sorcerers. But the word sorcery here is different. It's the word pharmakos. In the Greek. And you know what it means? Pharmacy. We're not talking about aspirin and, and, and something, you know, for your mucus and, and all of these good things that help people. We're talking about drugs. We're talking about anything that brings addiction. Alcohol is a drug. Make no mistake about it. If you didn't get high on it, you wouldn't drink it. It's nasty. When you have to gag to get it down, it's like smoking. When I started smoking, I wanted to smoke to be like, I wanted to be grown up. First time I smoked, I was sitting on the limb of an oak tree. Almost fell out of the tree. I got lightheaded. I coughed. I hacked my body. You know what my body was saying? You know what my body was saying? My body was saying, I went, Of course, I was determined. I kept sucking on that thing until I got kind of sick at my stomach. Got down out of the oak tree, squeezed it, and threw it down. Said, I don't want this stuff. Walked away, and guess what happened next day? Amen. I was out hunting it. You know what your body initially says when you take that first drink of bourbon? Seriously? But after that second and third drink of burden, your body begins to say, give me some more. Get past the gag. By the way, in the movies when the cowboys went in the saloon, they're using iced tea. Or tea without eyes. Yeah. People act like, boy, i got to quench my thirst. Well, get you some water. Sky juice. God made it. It's free. (laughs) You need to drink it. It's good for you. It don't cost you nothing. Amen. But we glamorize it all. But the problem is, when I've seen what alcoholism does, you know where my son got his first drink? A Christian band. From witnessing, singing, and witnessing and playing their music on Clearwater Beach. That very evening, when they went back to someone's house, they all began to drink. And my son drank with them. They didn't become alcoholics. 
they didn't have their liver so affected and infected that at one point my son thought that he would not live six months. And that was some, the doctor didn't give him that amount. He just said, your liver is in terrible shape. It's awful. And you are not a candidate because you're young for a, a liver transplant because you are an alcoholic. And they're not going to give a perfectly good liver for you to destroy. They'll give it to somebody who wants to live. And we prayed for him. And he went back to the doctor. And the doctor was from India. Don't know what his faith was, but one thing is for sure. He recognized when a miracle had occurred. He took his liver test again. And he said, not only is your liver okay, there's an okay, and then there is a above average healthy liver. This is from someone who drank all those years. He said, your liver is functioning above average. And he knew God did that. God did it. God did it. And the man said, God has been good to you. But you can't keep touching it. You can't push it now. Someone's intervened in your behalf, but you've got to do something now. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you a lot of this is a choice, regardless of what kind of hold the devil has on you. If you decide you really want to be free. Somebody said, I'm prayed and prayed, but I, I, God, if, have you ever heard this one? I have as a pastor down through all these years. If God wants me free, he'll, he'll have to set me free. God wants you free. It's, the ball's in your court. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And will He do it? I'm going to tell you, but He won't force your will. Whosoever will, let Him come. Nobody has to go to hell. Nobody has to be lost. Hallelujah. Whosoever will, let Him come. The Spirit says, come. And let the bride say, come. And he that heareth, let him say, come. Last chapter, last few verses of the book of Revelation, God would not close the book, the Bible itself, until that last call was given. And it's there in the last chapter. Amen. And let the bride say, come. And let the church say, come. And, 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 and whosoever will, let him come and drink of the river of life freely. If you want to be free, all of heaven will back you up to set you free. Hallelujah. Amen. No demon could hold you. No power of hell can hold you. No prison of the devil can hold you. But you've got to want it more than you want the sin and satisfaction that it gives you. Oh, no, I never question God when people say we pray for them and they're not delivered. I never question God. we got to quit questioning God. Hallelujah. Woo! Nothing is impossible with God. And nothing's impossible with him that believeth. And believing means more than just using your faith. It means your will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why on Channel 22, the founder of its wife had a program, Molly DeAndrea, free if you want to be. And I remember when a young man came to our church and he was in, in, 
he was bound by homosexuality, felt like God had made him that way. But he got down in the Word with us, found out that if he wanted to follow Jesus, he needed to make a paradigm shift in his lifestyle. And he wanted to make it. I said, well, next Sunday. I said, you fast Saturday. We're going to fast Saturday. And when you come Sunday, we're going to lay hands on you for deliverance. And Marius came down for deliverance. We laid hands on him. He, I didn't see him after that. We didn't have a follow-up. But years later, just a few years ago, <laughs> I was watching Channel 22. And there was a young man on there. And I kept looking at him. I thought, I know him from somewhere. He was on Molly DeAndre's broadcasting. He said, you know, I thought I could never be free. I thought there was no way I could ever change myself. But when I went to a little church in North Tampa and said, a little preacher, come up. Amen. And laid hands. So he didn't just mean in stature, but somebody that's not renowned can just say, man, it's all in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the evangelist or the pastor or the preacher. And he said, God changed me from the, and there he is testifying. I'm saying there's some fruit of being faithful down on that corner in that bad part of town in suffering strings. Hallelujah. And he was still free and trying to get other people set free. Let me tell you how this works. There is a spirit of addiction. Satan has spirits out there that are invited in through all of these things. And they can bind you up and, and, and build strongholds in your mind and in your life. But there's not a stronghold that can hold out against the anointing of God. For the anointing breaks every single yoke. Can you say man? Hallelujah. We, are, we went on the air on a little radio station. In North Carolina. We stayed on the air for about eight or nine weeks. We didn't get one letter, one response. We were paying for the airtime. And I said, we're not going to invest money with no fruit. But you can get impatient when you reach out. Because when you're reaching out, you're sowing seed. And you don't see where it's going. And you don't always see the result of it. But we went off the air. I remember going, we went off the air. I told them we can't keep the payments up, but we've enjoyed ministering here. And so two weeks after we went off the air, the radio station called. And they said, Pastor Venable, we still have the master tapes. Back then it was tapes and not CDs that you sent us. And we still haven't filled that slot. Nobody's bought the time. If it's okay with you, because we appreciate the quality of your... Because we weren't on there begging money. We weren't on there promoting our church or ourselves, Just the kingdom of God and of Christ. They said, if it's all right with you, we're going to run all of those masters again. And I said, hmm. Let me ask my church to pray and I'll start fasting. Listen, i got to go ye from God. Go ye into... Come on, i got to go ye from God. Amen. Come on, I done got to go ye. Door open, I'm in it. Can you say amen? Door open. Don't you threaten to put me on television if you ain't got the money to pay for it because I'll, I'll show up at the station. Hallelujah. Satellite TV. Just, I got to go ye. Go ye into all the world. That's why I left where I was and come to Tampa. Left Tampa Electric and a career and retirement and security. They love me. But I love God more. 
Hallelujah. And I still do. Praise God. And I never look back and I don't regret it, Brother Hobbs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they put it back on the air. This is about a little station about 50 miles from Charlotte, North Carolina. He said they don't really get the signal in Charlotte. This little community gets it fine. but They don't really get the signal. No computer carrying it that day. But I got a letter from Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was from a young lesbian lady. And she said, I want to follow Christ. But I'm convicted. But I can't change myself. But I would love for a change to come. But I can't see how it could come. This is just who I am. And she said, I was parked at a red light with my radio on, hunting something to listen to. And I come across a preacher. And he wasn't preaching on gay things, issues, or homosexual issues. He was just preaching on slaying your giants. I was talking about David and the giant. But using it to say whatever the giant is in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, that giant can fall and he will fall. Hallelujah. You come at me with sword and spear. You're very imposing. You're tall. A whole army shudder at the thought of having to face you in battle. They're stymied. Saul's armies are stymied. God's army, God's army, God's nation under God's covenant are stymied when they saw the size of this man. You come with me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Hallelujah. She said, I thought, while I was listening to that message, this is my giant. This is my giant. And before that message, she said, I pulled over and listened to the message till it finished. And I cried out to God for victory. And she said, Pastor Venable, I want you to know my giant fell. It fell. That spirit of addiction over me sexually fell. It, There's, listen, the Word of God is sharp, quick and powerful, alive and powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 My my word is like the rain that comes down out of heaven that watereth the earth and the snow and causes it to bring forth and to bud. So shall the word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will accomplish that that I desire and it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Can you say amen? You know what God did? He put it back on the air because he knew it was full of the word of God and full of faith. Amen. And you know what he did? He he caused the winds to blow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Towards Charlotte, North Carolina. He took a radio signal that wasn't supposed to reach there and put it in that radio. Can you say man? Hallelujah to a woman that needed to know that if she put her trust in God, nothing. was The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And God set her free. And she said, God changed me from the inside out. He changed my emotions he changed my desires he changed my mind he changed my life Woo! hallelujah glory to god neither repented her of her sorceries pharmacos this spirit of addiction 
And I'm going to tell you, every time I preach about Jesus being a deliverer, all hell literally breaks loose. We get trouble from every corner and every side because the anointing breaks the yoke. And the Word of God is powerful, quick and powerful. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Let me read one scripture as we get ready to close. The falling away is here. Whole denominations are compromising. Tearing out pages of the Bible to be accepted by the culture. To be politically correct and culturally relevant. Men are getting together and decide what parts of the Bible to hold on to and what parts to do away with. The Anglican Church is separating from the part that was under its auspices in America over these issues today. The Methodist Church is in a process of change. The Episcopal Church is in a process of change to accommodate what God says will damn a soul. To accommodate what God says would damn a soul. How can men, for the sake of being men pleasers, in the name of God's love, not tell God's truth to people who need it in this hour? If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. If you continue in His Word, you know what that that doesn't mean just reading your Bible all the time. It means letting the Word of God have the final authority in your life constantly. If you abide in me and my Word abides in you, can you say, man, hallelujah, praise God. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The falling away is here. So the devotion to Jesus, and we're going to close with this, is more important now than ever. You've got to be more devoted to Christ than to self, or you can't deny yourself. You've got to be more devoted to Christ than a family member, or a loved one, or a wife, or a husband. I love my wife. I would die for my wife. But I would not follow my wife if she turns away from God in order to have a relationship with her. She would have to do the leaving. But I would not compromise my faith in God. See, my love for the Lord shouldn't ever be compared with my love for my wife or my children or my daddy, my mom or anybody else. Because this is love for my Creator and my Savior. This is not just about a human relationship. This is about a divine relationship. So listen to how this works. This is why the falling away is here. Let me read it from 1 Kings. Did we ever get there? 11 and verse 4. Solomon. Isn't it amazing? This man with such wisdom. But not much willpower. Wisdom without willpower you'll still be defeated. You can quote the Proverbs backwards and forwards and know all the principles of it, but without the will to put it into practice in your own life, you will fail and you will fall. Solomon, what did God grant him? 
wisdom like no man has ever been granted. Queen of Sheba came from Africa with a caravan loaded with gold to give him just to hear his wisdom. But he didn't have any willpower. And I'm not talking about delivering himself. I'm talking about the will to put God first instead of himself and his own sensual desires. How art the mighty fallen? David couldn't get over it when Saul and Jonathan were defeated were defeated on the field of battle. How art the mighty? How could that happen? It's as if they had not been anointed. Samson had power. Come on, Pentecostal. We power, 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 power. We've got to have more than just the Holy Spirit. We've got to be devoted to Christ. And it came to pass when Solomon was old, and his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as with David his father. A shift came. After all of those years, this mighty man of God filled with wisdom let the love and devotion to his wives lead him to the worship of other gods that he knew better than do it. But he did it. The Amplified said he was not completely devoted. The Net Bible said his heart was not wholeheartedly devoted. The NIV, which we don't use very often, said not fully devoted. The Voice Bible said his heart was led astray and no longer completely belonging to God. And you know where else that happened? In the New Testament. The church at Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2. Jesus begins with commendation. And He says, I commend you because you have tried them that say they're apostles and are not and found them to be liars. You're standing on the truth. Persecution has come and you didn't budge on your doctrine. You stood true to the doctrine. He's commending them, commending them, commending them. And then he says, but I've got somewhat against you. And it must have shocked them after all of the commendations. Amen. Do you know what it was? I have something against you. In the midst of all your dedication and the perfect practice of your religion, I've got something against you. Well, what in the world could it possibly be? It's the devotion to God. Not the devotion to their religion, their devotion to being right in their doctrine. The devotion to God was missing. You've left your first love. That devotion, that passion for Christ is no longer burning. That's not what's driving you any longer. And it is intolerable. We put up with it in ourselves. Churches have... Churches full of people that are doing the right things, saying the right things, workers that are working hard. But if it doesn't come from the heart, it doesn't mean anything to God. It means nothing to God. In fact, it's an intolerable thing. He said, you've left your first love. I want you to remember from whence you are fallen. And repent and do your first works. Where was the first love kindled? At Calvary. It was at the cross. Remember when you first got saved? And you fell in love with Jesus. 
Come on, you fell in love with Jesus. Oh, we didn't have to have some kind of big deal to get people to church. My Lord, I got saved. I come home at 7.30. Church started at 7. But I was a Pentecostal church. Honey, I knew it was going to take a while to, to get, get rolling. <laughs> and after it quits rolling, it's going to take a while to stop. If I can just get there before 8.30, I'm going to get a rest of the sermon, a whole lot of the prayer time. <laughs> can you say, man, I never got home until 10.30. <laughs> I got home at 7.30 working at Winn-Dixie Warehouse. I said, she said, honey, we're going to try to make it. I said, we're going to make it. Glory to God. Amen. I went in there and, and, and uh, rolled some. <laughs> I didn't have time to shower. I didn't want to miss the shouting. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> I just took off my old t-shirt and rolled some of that band underneath my arms. Or was it, what was it? What, what's the one? It's one of the old. It, yeah, yeah. Not flash spray, no. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> no, no flash spray. It would have covered up. Anyway, I put it on. I put it on. Uh, well, oh, I don't, it don't matter about the brand. I just rolled on some deodorant. Amen. Put a wet rag on my face. Amen. Put on my, put on my better shirt and took off to God's house because I wanted to be there. I didn't want to miss nothing. I fell in love with Jesus. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to sing His praises. I wanted to pray and seek His face. First love. That's how it operates. Glory be to God. I love Jesus. And we'd start singing a little Sunday school song. Oh, how I love Jesus. And the tears would start streaming. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first Love me and I'll never forsake him. And sing it again and sing it again and sing it again. Oh, and then we would get into I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. And my heart would just melt before the Lord. He said, that's what I want. I want that wholehearted devotion. And when I have it, you see the falling away won't affect you. The falling away won't affect you if you have a wholehearted devotion to Christ. Other people won't be able to pull you or influence you away like Solomon's wives did. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Jesus said, when I return to the earth, shall I find faith. We're not talking about faith to get your body healed. We're not talking about faith to get a Mercedes or get a Rolex or to get anything from God by faith. The word in context is pistis in the Greek. And it means fidelity. Will I find a faithful people devoted to me? Not devoted to their religious rituals, their routines, their church, their denominations, their holy conclaves. Will I find somebody on this planet that loves me with their whole heart? Will I find fidelity? What is the marine symbol in Latin? Semper fidelis. You can hear that word in the Latin. You know what it means? Semper fidelis? Always 
faithful. Can you say amen? That's who I want to be in a foxhole with. Somebody that's always faithful. Can you say amen who won't even think of leaving me behind if I'm wounded? That'll come after me and take me with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Always faithful. Always faithful. I'm going to read you this as we really close. Just think if we hadn't started closing. Did you get anything out of this today? Do you understand the place of devotion in the end times and in Christians? This is ABC News. A few years ago. Actually, it was on ABC News around 2005. And it said, have you heard the story of Capitan? A dog from Argentina who has shocked the world with his loyalty. ABC is a world news outlet. In 2005, according to ABC News reporters, and actually they had the video, but I couldn't get it to download or I would have showed it to you. In 2005, Miguel Guzman adopted a German shepherd mix as a companion for his teenage son. Miguel unexpectedly died in 2006. And when the family returned home from his funeral, Capitan was gone. His family said, we searched for him, but he had vanished. Guzman's widow reportedly told a local newspaper, the Cordoba. We thought he must have got run over and died. But when the family visited Miguel's grave, they found Capitan waiting for them by the tombstone. He, Capitan, turned up there one day all on his own. Started wandering all around the cemetery until he eventually found the tomb of his master. The cemetery director, Hector Barsega, told the newspaper during the day, He sometimes has a walk around the cemetery, but he rushes back to the grave. And every day at six o'clock sharp, he lies down on top of the grave and stays there all night long. You see, this man rescued him. He was a rescue dog, abandoned and abused. And somebody showed him love. Gave him peace and safety for the first time in his life. And that dog devoted himself by reciprocating that love to his master. And every day at six o'clock sharp, he lies down on top of the grave and stays there all night. The family says Capitan has never been to the cemetery, had never been to the cemetery before and found his own way there and located Miguel's grave without human assistance. And they said, I've tried. The son said, I've tried to bring Capitan home several times, but he always comes straight back to the cemetery. Said the son, 15-year-old Damien. I think he's going to be there until he dies too. He's looking after my dad. Cemetery caretakers feed Capitan and care for him as their own. Because... They're taken back by his devotion. 
Caperton has been returning to the cemetery every day for over six years now. Visitors to the cemetery have taken pictures of Caperton guarding his post, rain or shine, day in and day out. On the most stormy night of the year in Argentina, there's a German shepherd mix that was rescued and loved his master for rescuing him, laying on that grave. In the heat of Argentina, 6 p.m., there's a German shepherd that's laying on that grave. And if a dog can show appreciation for being rescued by a person to that degree. What in the world is wrong with the church of Jesus Christ? And where is our devotion to the one who rescued us? Where's the devotion? I'm not talking about emotion. I'm talking about devotion. Where is the devotion? Do you see it? There are churches full of people today. There's no devotion in many of them. As soon as church is over, they're not going to serve God. They're going to be entertained by the choir. There will be so many programs. There's always something to do. But to follow Jesus, to walk out that door into this world and follow Christ because you love Him more than you love yourself. You love Him more than you love your sin. You love Him more than you love this old world. Take this whole world and give me Jesus. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. Greatest hurt of my heart is watching people fall away and not do anything about it. Lose their devotion like Solomon and not be convicted of it. Continue. Continue to drift away. Drift away. Drift away. Drift away from God. And not sense the danger. The terrible danger. i got to tell you one more thing. One last thing. Sheep safe in a fold are safe in the fold. But sheep out of the fold are a prey for the enemy. Learn this lesson from a missionary in Africa. Said they corral sheep in Africa in the evening because the lions come looking for prey. said what the lion will do because the sheep are so terrified of the lion he will go to where he knows the breeze of the evening will carry his scent to the sheepfold and he will urinate and that poignant smell of the lion's urine will be brought by the breeze to where the sheep are corralled and out of fear fear driven Ultimately, one of those sheep, in a panic, will jump the corral and go running into the darkness. And they work in concert 
the other lions are waiting because they know they stay in the fold if they roar if they intimidate that way and make themselves known a shepherd's going to come out with a rifle and a lion is going to get hurt that night and the sheep are going to be safe but if the sheep gets out of the corral and goes running out there on its own it's easy pickings and sure enough that's the sheep they grab and that's the one they kill and tear apart Satan goeth about as what? A hungry lion. Not just making noise. This roar is the, what a lion does when they're famished. It's feeding time. Seeking whom he may devour. And you know who he's going to be able to do that? Regardless of the teachings you have on the authority of the believer and faith and the armor of God. The person whose heart is not devoted to God. The one that's either out of panic runs and lets fear dominate them. Or out of the giving in to the flesh lets the world contaminate them and draw them out. The hardest part of my job is not preaching. It's not praying. It's not studying. It's not counseling. It's watching people drift away from God while having holy communion and pointing to the cross to try to rekindle the first love and know the devotion. And because many false prophets, Matthew 24, 11, and 12, sign of when shall these things be, many false prophets shall go out into the earth. They shall deceive many. People are out, out there right now pointing you to this world, pointing you to materialism, saying that, that God's best and God's will is that you become rich and famous. To get people to follow Jesus, they have to allure them with what the world says is most important. Something is terribly wrong. Something is awfully wrong. Can you say, man, it has built mega churches today, but not followers of Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? And the world still beckons. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is of the world, and the world passes away. But he that does the will of my Father abides forever. And to do the will of the Father in this world, in this culture, you have to have a wholehearted devotion to Christ.